This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. One of the great things about the college football season is that you learn a little bit about every team every week. And I think going into Arkansas's Southwest Classic game against Texas A&M, all of us would say that we thought Arkansas was going to win that game based on the way they had played the week before against what we thought was a pretty good LSU team. But we learned a couple of things during this last week of the season. Number one, Arkansas, it's, it's not a great team. I think we already knew that. I don't know that it's a very good team. I think that maybe the ceiling for this team is something similar to, to the, how they did last year. A record somewhere around 500, maybe a game over, game under, some tight games. They're not going to finish some of them and win. They might finish one or two and win those games. We'll see how it goes down the stretch. The other thing that we learned this last weekend is that LSU, they can't play defense. And I think that that probably uh, gave us a little bit of a, a football equivalent of fool's gold, the way that Arkansas was able to go into Baton Rouge and move the ball up and down the field and, and play with LSU. Well, you saw them go to Ole Miss, and they didn't play defense very well at all. It's something that if you listen to you know people who are around the LSU program who observe that program, they've been worried about that since game one against Florida State. And so today we'll talk about all of that. We'll look back at the Razorbacks game in Arlington, try to figure out what went wrong for Arkansas, uh, what, what they look like going forward. I'm Matt Jones I'm with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman of WholeHogSports.com. And, you know, both of you were there. I just, I don't know how I feel about this game because I thought you'd get a lot better effort from Arkansas. And I don't know that the the effort wasn't there, but certainly the results weren't there. It goes down as I think maybe one of the most disappointing games of of Sam Pittman's time here. Just when you think about the fact that they usually play Texas A&M very well. They had the performance the week before against LSU where they were so close to winning it. And then they go out and they just lay a dud was remarkable that this was honestly only a 12-point loss, in my opinion. It just, it felt so much worse. Um, Me and Scotty were kind of just like even hours after the game, like discovering new stats that were just really bad. You know, like it, it was one of those games that the, the further removed you get from it, it's almost the worse it looks. I mean, it looked bad in live time too, but whenever you just go down and look at, you know, just how bad Arkansas's offense was, you know, it's it's crazy because it's like last week against LSU or the week before against LSU, you know, in the second half, it was the defense that couldn't do anything. And you're like, oh, well, at least offense has figured it out. Then on Saturday, it was, you know, the offense can't do anything. It's just I don't know if it can get much worse than Saturday for Arkansas moving forward. Like that was just a really ugly loss. But I guess the only way it could is if you get that second half against LSU defense mixed with the offense that we saw against Texas A&M. I mean, it was it was just really, really ugly. I mean, I can't believe that Arkansas, you know, like I said, kept this within 12 points. It just, it felt like it was 30 point game. Yeah, it really did. And I think I wrote this on the board last week, maybe a couple of days before, um, before Arkansas and and A&M played. And um, I think someone mentioned that Arkansas should never lose to a team that that Kansas beat talking about BYU and what I said was you know we've heard Eric Musselman say it a million times you know every game takes on its own identity shape and form and that's I think that's just that's that's Arkansas to a T I think the last you know two weeks you know they 
gave a really good effort at LSU, but just because you give good effort and play well uh, at, you know, for, for, for times um, on both sides of the ball, it doesn't mean you're going to do the same thing next week. I mean, the opponent's different, venue's different, you know, sometimes players you have available uh, change daily uh, leading up to a game and maybe in, in Arkansas's case against A&M in game, you know, you lose Luke has as a big piece of your offense uh, through the first four weeks and, he's gone and and now you've got a a weapon out that that you've been utilizing a lot it's just i think several times during that game i just kept maybe leaning over to ethan or or chip was to my left ethan was to my right and i'm just like man this offense is just miserable to watch and kind of predictable on first down i think there there was a stretch where there were maybe eight or nine first down plays where arkansas didn't throw the ball at all and texas a&m just kind of knew what was coming and recorded 15 tackles for loss for the second straight week. Arkansas's offensive line couldn't protect KJ. Um, he wound up on his back a lot, and KJ's not any good on his back. It's just plain and simple. Um, it just seemed like the offense was out of sync. Like, KJ had some time to pass on some downs, and, you know, I remember he threw a ball at, at Isaac Tesla's knee, and if that ball is completed, you know, it could be a first down for Arkansas, keep a drive alive potentially, but just – nothing seemed like it was running or functioning normally. And it's led to, you know, Sam Pittman this week, you know, trying to shuffle some things up on the offensive line because it's pretty clear at this point, whatever you're doing is not working. You can't just hope that, you know, we're going to keep doing this, this same thing and hope we get better. Uh, you gotta, you gotta make some changes. And we talked about this, I think on podcasts in the previous weeks, like Sam, Sam needed to get proactive about, you know, the the issues that Arkansas was facing. And I think maybe they're they're trying to take a step, you know, toward that this week. He didn't really go into detail about what they're going to do, but he I think he kind of hinted at the fact they're going to look at their different offensive line. We mentioned Bo Limmer. Is it a better offensive line if Bo Limmer plays guard than if he yeah. plays center? And we, did, we did see some changes at, at practice on on Monday, but we don't know if those are going to hold to form. But we we did kind of see what he was talking about for at yeah. least a few minutes. Yeah, so I mean, you know, basically it's just kind of reevaluating where they have position or, or where they have players positioned on the field during these games, and, and we'll see how it looks against Ole Miss. You know, they're going to struggle, I think, regardless of what happens this week. They're going to struggle with big physical defensive fronts. I think that's maybe the thing that we learned out of the Texas A&M game more than anything. And we talked about A&M last week about how they kind of have a sneaky good defensive front. This was, you know, the – the, the prize of that big recruiting class that they had two years ago were some great linemen. And I thought it showed on Saturday on both sides, some you know big young offensive linemen, defensive linemen who are going to be really good players for them this year, obviously, but, but also into the future, if, if they're able to keep them, uh, Alabama's that type of team. I think Florida might be that type of team. Auburn might be that type of team. And I'm just kind of looking at those teams based on, uh, how they've played to this point in the season. I don't know if Ole Miss is that type of team. And so it's it's kind of that emotional roller coaster of, okay, we're going to look good this week. We're not going to look good this week. I think the offense has got a chance to go to Oxford this week and, and potentially put up a lot of points against an Ole Miss team that just had a shootout with LSU. Uh, we know how the Arkansas Ole Miss series has been in recent years. It's it's typically pretty high scoring, unpredictable. It's It's – I know Arkansas has got different coordinators in now than they've had in, in the past few years, but from an offensive standpoint, it's like Arkansas has kind of known 
what it can do against Ole Miss to be successful. Uh, and, and so, you know, kind of that topsy-turviness of this season continues going into Oxford. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I did a column for this week's Hogs Illustrated, kind of going over the the weirdness and the chaos and everything in between with the Arkansas Miss series over the last 10 seasons. And you're right, like there's typically it's a high scoring game. I think the the average score over the last 10 seasons is like Arkansas 35 and a half and Ole Miss 32.1 or something like that. And average yards per game is like 985. So I would advise everybody to buckle up this week because, <laughs> I mean, you there's a there's potential to go into that game and like see something that you've never seen before or you haven't seen in in decades. Um, I think yeah, I, th I do think that Ole Miss's defense, and I think it's kind of been a, it's it's given me a lot of caution and pause in the past when you know I think Ole Miss is pretty good. But I'm like, well, they're they're typically pretty suspect on defense. Um, maybe outside of an outlier type year, but um, yeah, I think I think Arkansas's got potential on offense. It's just it's just I don't know. It's giving KJ enough time to throw. Um, I remember I went back and watched like the first play of the game against Texas A&M the other day, and Arkansas is running like this standard RPO, and they get, got an option to throw the ball to Luke Has like in the right flat, and before KJ's done even. He's before he's even done with the mesh, there's a defender five yards in the backfield standing right in front of him. And I know some of that's kind of play design, like to make the defender read whether he's going to hand the ball to Rocket or, or try to keep it. Um, but I just don't think you can have guys running free like that and 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 believe that your your offense is going to be able to, you know, make progress or be able to sustain drives that way. It's just I don't know. Um I do have some some confidence that Arkansas can play well at Ole Miss, but I think a lot of it is, is Ole Miss's defense and um, and KJ's ability to just kind of make something out of nothing. But um, I think they've they've really 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 got to get in sync this week, and they've got to find um, who's next up at tight end. That's another huge question mark because right now your tight ends outside of Luke has who's not available. Uh, you got one catch for two yards, and that's not not really ideal. So. I think the plan is for for those four guys that are healthy and available, like their top four guys, to kind of battle it out this week. But I think the biggest thing is is up front. Like you've got to got to try to get those guys moving to new who are moving to new positions to kind of settle in there, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry, or you know, or else it, it might be ugly again. You know, if you can't if you can't go score for score with Ole Miss. You know, one of the things Pittman has talked about since the preseason is that he likes the leadership of the team. He said that he thinks they've got players who are team leaders who weren't captains, and they've got six captains. And he's talked about the leadership of uh, K.J. Jefferson in particular and how he's not just the leader of the offense. He's the leader of the defense. He's he's the team leader. I think the team leadership is going to be put to the test this week. Uh, we saw this team lose three in a row two years ago. They got beat really bad against Georgia, lost on the last play of the game, obviously, against Ole Miss in a shootout, and then looked really bad against Auburn. They were able to turn things around and go on a nice run at the end of the year. I think they think they can potentially do something similar this year. I don't know that they're going to get to nine wins, but I feel like this is the type of week where the team leadership becomes real big because, you know, this is the type of this is the type of time where things can go off the rails. 
and you can start to look worse against teams. We saw this against Chad or under Chad Morris four years ago. You know, they weren't 40 points worse or whatever the, the final score was than Western Kentucky or Mississippi State. They weren't. They, they played some more competitive games under Morris. But I think at some point in that season, you know, players just kind of let go of the rope, so to speak. And you're kind of at a pivotal point, I feel like, in this season. What's your leadership look like? And I think we're going to learn a lot about maybe how the final seven weeks play out based on the result this weekend in Oxford. Uh, and I think that, you know, you referenced that 2021 year where they lost three games. Um, I think that year they had the luxury of playing after that third loss. They had UAPB and Little Rock, which, you know, that's kind of a get right game. Um, and then they had a bye week to get ready for Mississippi State. They just don't have that luxury this year. I mean, you you're staring at going to Oxford and uh, to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama the next week. It's they're going to have to figure things out on the fly. Um not really you don't really have that luxury of kind of having a dud opponent in there um I do think that like you know that offensive performance against Texas A&M I think we have to give credit like you said to the um defensive line that the Aggies have I mean clearly they're pretty good they that's their second consecutive week with 15 tackles for loss which means that they're causing some damage you know up front but um I don't think that Arkansas's offensive performance can look as bad as it did against A&M again I just I just think it's pretty impossible um but I do think Ole Miss kind of is you know an intriguing get right game because it is a team that you know teams have had some offensive success against so it'll be interesting to see in my opinion if Arkansas can kind of right the ship offensively but then you got to match that with I mean your defense has to come and play too how many points did they just score against LSU it was northward of 50 I know um, so it'll just be interesting to see if maybe the offense can figure things out simultaneously with the defense playing well, which hasn't really happened yet this year, aside from maybe Western Carolina. Yeah, it was 55 points and they had 700 something yards of offense. They had, they had the balance. They had 300 some odd yards passing 300 something yards rushing. I, I think it was the first time in several years that Ole Miss had had a game, maybe like 25 years the first time that they'd had a game with at least 300 rushing and 300 passing in the same SEC game. Uh, offensively, incredible, this Ole Miss team. And, and I think we expect that under Lane Kiffin. Defense, a little bit susceptible. Scotty touched on Lucas being out for the season. And, and I wonder how much that affected Arkansas against Texas A&M because he'd been so good against BYU two weeks ago and then uh, really good in the LSU game the week before he got hurt. And I think he was probably a big part of their offensive game plan against Texas A&M. And when they lost him, they lost a big weapon because those receivers, uh, you know, they they didn't – I don't know they played a – I don't know how they played, to be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't looked at – you know, looked into it just a whole lot. But I think that Haz as a tight end was was a big part of their game plan. And I think for him to go out that early in the game probably kind of shell-shocked the team a little bit, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely think so. I mean, he's been the production at the tight end position. I mean, before he left the game, like Arkansas Arkansas tight ends outside of him didn't have a catch. Like Berkey's Gums got his first catch the other day after Luke went out, um, went for two yards. And, you know, losing Luke, I mean, I think you saw his value just on the play that he got hurt. Like you're in third and long and you can dump it to him in the flat and you can count on him to, you know, maybe get some yards after catch and – um maybe send a um, a physical body blow type message to a defense like, hey, I'm going to be here. 
all game long. Um, and now you don't you don't have that. I think he, they Arkansas counted on him in run blocking and pass blocking too, and he was kind of a kind of a safety net for KJ when you know whatever progression he was looking at down the field wasn't there. I think you had Luke kind of mirroring him um, at times and working himself open to 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 be available um, down the field, and you just, you don't have that anymore. It's it's tough because he's he's been your third best playmaker, maybe your second best playmaker this year outside of Andrew Armstrong. As Isaac Tesla has been been kind of quiet, I would say the last couple of weeks, and um, yeah, it definitely changes things because it you you like maybe Varkis Gums in the passing game too, but Luke's been so good that that's been eating up you know potential playing time for Gums, and he hasn't been on the field a whole lot, and you don't know exactly in the heat of the moment and in a big SEC game, um, what exactly he's comfortable with or, or capable of. Um, so, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a really big deal. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier this week, they've got to figure out, you know, maybe a guy or two who can potentially help them. And I think the top two guys that come to mind for me are Gums and Tyrus Washington, like Tyrus Washington. I looked at PFF stats yesterday when I wrote the story about the tight ends uh, what their week was going to look like. He's played like four snaps all season. And I think he's played one since the season opener. So you got to get that kid cranked up and you've got to get gums to a point where he's much more comfortable with um, maybe what he's doing. So, um, yeah, it's it's just – it's tough. Cause I think he was a big-time safety net for, for KJ. And I think he – in four weeks or four-plus weeks, I think Luke had grown into a guy that, that KJ could really trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and KJ would probably tell you right now that he trusts all of his tight ends. But saying it to us and doing it in a game um, and feeling that way in a game, I, I think are probably two different things. It's amazing on Washington. I didn't realize he had played that few snaps. That He was – there was so much uh, positivity, I feel like, that surrounded him his freshman year, you know, that people were kind of surprised a little bit that the, the plan was just to play him four games in redshirt. And uh be interesting to see how he how he bounces back and you know fits into this offense going forward because I think there is a lot of talent there. Obviously, he played last year in a different offensive system. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, Design, Display, Signage, KendallKing.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L. K-I-N-G.com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Arkansas, you know, they. I think that the devil's kind of in the details defensively for this team. It, it feels like the A&M game it's kind of like the BYU game two weeks ago where you look at the numbers and you say, hmm, that's really not that bad of a defensive performance. But BYU two weeks ago, they get the ball in the short field and, and they score a lot of touchdowns on short field. And you wonder, hey, if they're having to go 80 yards, are we talking about this defense in the same way? I think the same thing goes for the A&M game. A&M gets a pick six touchdown. They get a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, they get a short field for a touchdown where Arkansas goes for it on fourth and one. It's like Groundhog Day 
uh, this shotgun formation deal where you give it to the running back and he gets tackled in the backfield. I, I feel like we've seen it five times in, in the last six or seven games for Arkansas going back to last year. But but going back to A&M's offense, I don't know that Max Johnson really had to do just a whole lot in this game and what they asked him to do. He did really well. I hate the term game manager uh, for a quarterback, but that's kind of what he was. You know, it's, hey, just go out there and don't lose the game for us. And honestly, Johnson didn't play that great of a game. I think he was responsible for all three of the Aggies' second half turnovers, one of which was a pick six that kept the game closer than than maybe it was for longer, even into the fourth quarter. Arkansas was still within striking distance. I don't know how I feel about this Arkansas defense, but I know this. I think that they're going to have their hands full against Ole Miss this week. Uh, I don't know that the the numbers maybe reflect how poorly they have played the last three weeks. Uh, obviously, this weekend, Ole Miss is, is going to put up some yards. They're going to put up some points that you know, are going to you know sour the defensive totals for the season. Uh, they've got to figure something out, I think, defensively, because until Arkansas's offense can get things going, if they ever get things going this season, uh, because, you know, the defense is what they had to kind of lean on the first couple of weeks of the season, as crazy as that is to, to think that they had to lean on their defense against Kent State. But the the defense is, is certainly, it, it's taken a downward turn since the talent level has improved on the other side. Yeah, and I think what was important Saturday was just Max Johnson, I think, felt comfortable the whole game. You know, early in the season, we kept on talking about, at least it felt to me like the defensive line was causing other teams' quarterbacks to be, like, uncomfortable for a lot a lot of portions of the game, especially we saw a lot of third down sacks early in the year. It just felt like Max Johnson was able to get in a rhythm on Saturday. Maybe it's, you know, play design, um, just getting him, you know, and positions where it's going to be easy plays to make he completed his first seven or eight throws I think it was his first seven um so got off to a nice start um I think felt comfortable and Arkansas's defensive line just never really caused much you know chaos back there I think that that's kind of where it all starts for Arkansas to maybe get a little bit more productive on defense just um I think that we've seen especially that LSU game comes to mind like Jaden Daniels was just (laughs) he was just having a field day because he wasn't feeling anything um and he had playmakers, receivers. Ole Miss is the same way. If you give them, um, you know, if Jackson Dart has a lot of time back there, he's going to probably shred the Arkansas defense apart. So, um, but I mean, when you look at the Texas A&M game, I mean, the defense did give you six of your 22 points. They've been good at causing turnovers. They, you know, caused those three against um, Texas A&M. So it's almost right now, I feel like you don't know what you're going to get from the defense. Um but the one thing that you kind of have been able to rely on is them causing a few turnovers, which um, I think that's usually the sign of a pretty good defense, but it's just, it feels like in very critical points of the game, they aren't coming up with third down stops. Um, A&M was eight of 15 on third down. Um, so they just got to get off the field a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to expect from them. Well, I mean, you think about the last six possessions against LSU, four touchdowns, two field goals. The first four possessions against Texas A&M, they give up, what was it, two touchdowns and a field goal and another field goal was missed. They're not getting off the field at all. And even you know the times that they were getting off the field against Texas A&M, it, it really wasn't third down stops. It was fumbles and interceptions. You know, what ended that streak of, of teams getting into scoring position was the pick six that, that Snacks Johnson had on the first play of the second half. They're, they're just not getting off the field. And when you can't get off the field against an offense like A&M, I don't know that it 
breeds any confidence of getting off the field against an offense like Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure how Arkansas is going to consistently get off the field, and that's I think that's a that's an issue. I I was thinking that Arkansas, you know, last week might be able to jar Max Johnson a little bit with it being his first you know full game as a starter this year. Um, but I think Bobby Petrino had him really prepared. They, you know, it was pretty clear that they, you know, found some things and schemed some plays up to get the ball out of his hands and just get the get it into you know the hands of playmakers in space and just force Arkansas to to make tackles. And Texas A&M's got a lot of good athletes, like you mentioned uh, earlier, that can can make guys miss and you know receivers that can get open. Um, and then Max Johnson, you know, you mentioned kind of the game manager type thing. I thought early in the game he gave them a little bit more than that. And I think you saw him bounce back in a really nice way if you're if you're on AM's side. You know, he throws the pick six and then the next drive, you know, I think he has the the long run that mm-hmm. kind of broke Arkansas's will a little bit. And then there was a third down play uh, right after Arkansas had failed on fourth and one where Arkansas has got them backed up. I think they just gotten a false start penalty. They're in like third and 11 and then Arkansas can't get off the field. Then um, I felt like that, that may have been, you know, I wrote, I think in the game sketch that we wrote, like the play of the game was the failed fourth and one that Texas A&M conversion on third and 11, right after the failed fourth down conversion or the failed fourth down play. I thought that might have actually been the play of the game because Arkansas was this close to being able to, kind of squash the fourth to one thing, put it behind them and kind of move on from it. Um, but Jaheim Singletary got matched up with the tight end and didn't play the ball at all. Um, and the tight end was able to pretty much box him out and kept moving the sticks and um, when ended up getting a touchdown um, right before half. So I thought that was really big. I just don't know how they're going to get off the field honestly, um, unless you can create some more consistent pressure up front. Looking at PFF, Max Johnson had 19 of his 28 dropbacks the other day where he was kept completely clean. Um, And then he was three for nine when he was under pressure, but two of those three completions were touchdowns. So, I mean, the kid just, he made plays, and that's what I wrote and kind of in my game analysis that I thought he gave them um, maybe a little bit more than, than game manager stuff, and that was, you know, pretty much all they needed. I, I'm going to sound like that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think looking back at the game too, it's like it kind of got lost in how the second half went and how bad the offense looked late in it. But it was just, I think the combination of the offense stalling out again in the red zone and settling for field goals. And then A&M just putting together these long scoring drives that just kind of, you know, early on was setting the tone of the game. It, it was just like, Oh, Arkansas hasn't, it hasn't fixed its red zone problems from a week ago. And then you go down and you see them they haven't fixed their going for it on fourth and one problem on their own side of the field it just it was just early on kind of confirmations of really have you learned from past mistakes did Arkansas score a red zone touchdown no because no, I don't the, think the long, they did. The long I think touchdown they just pass. Got a field goal there yeah that's yeah, right Cam so Little I mean, had a 25 yard field goal yeah so I mean that's that's still an issue going into this Ole Miss game and games on down the line they're not scoring touchdowns in the red zone Hey, give credit to cam little by the way real quick while we'd be negative about everything else cam little did have a, a really great game uh in the stadium where it, it kind of defined his 2022 season a little bit that loss to texas a&m it felt like a lot of people held that missed field goal against him even as he did 
good things on down the line. Uh, last season, he goes three for three against AM. He's seven for eight over the last three games when the offense is, is not really producing uh, touchdowns in the red zone. Like we've said, he's kicked a lot of field goals, uh, short, shorter range field goals, but then he also had two long field goals against AM. And it was the first time since 1976 in Steve Little where an Arkansas kicker had two field goals of 50 yards in the same game. So anytime you can do something that Steve Little did at Arkansas, that's a, that's a big deal. And so uh, Cam Little's a uh, really nice game for him against the Aggies. Uh, I'm going to go back to that fourth and one play, though, because I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to keep harping on this, I think, until Arkansas quits messing around and, and failing on these fourth and one plays. And I go back to before last season, when Sam Pittman talked about pressing and how he's not going to press anymore in games. And he learned from his mistakes in 2021. You look back at their last maybe six losses and five of them have included some of these big fourth down plays in the middle of the field. We talked about Liberty and LSU last year, how they set up, you know, basically the, you, you could, you could look back at those games and you take one away one of their touchdowns with a short field, and Arkansas may win those two games. BYU with the field goal uh, that was set up. They they had a fourth down miss against LSU this year, and now this game against Texas A&M. And you could say that Texas A&M would have won that game without Arkansas missing in, in the fourth down, and they might have. But, boy, it certainly felt like that game turned a lot when A&M was able to get that stop at the 40-yard line and go down and score a touchdown right before halftime because I, I feel like the game was still a little bit in the balance. And, and and I think Arkansas's coaches probably thought that too. And they thought, Hey, if we can convert this fourth and one, you know, maybe you, you get a little bit of momentum. Maybe you go down and score and get within a point or take the lead at halftime. And certainly it backfired on them against A&M. I just feel like at some point they have got to stop doing this or it's the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over. It's, it's crazy what we're seeing from them on these fourth down calls, because it's not working. And I don't know if they're trying to keep uh, imposing their will until maybe it does work someday. I don't know if they're trying to, you know, build confidence in their offensive line. I suspect that's probably a little bit of it. Uh, but boy, you can go back to a lot of their close losses here lately. And I probably would even put A&M in that category of a close loss, even though I didn't really feel like it was, it was still a tight game in the fourth quarter where these fourth down plays, they, they've really been a turning point and, and you can, you can look back and pinpoint four or five times where that was the turning point in a close loss or, or certainly a big turning point. Yeah. And I looked over to Scotty before they did it. And I, I was just like, doesn't look like they've learned their lesson. It was just almost like, it was like, yeah, they're about to do it again. They're about to do it again. (laughs) Well, I was exactly what was coming. (laughs) I was not there. I was, I was watching the game on TV, but I had Arkansas's radio broadcast on and I'm listening to Chuck Barrett and, and Quinn Grovey. And it's kind of like this nervous laughter of, oh, oh, they're they're going to do it, you know. If, if they don't make it, this is going to be this is going to be a big moment, and you know, then of course it happens. You don't want to be too yeah. negative when when you're on the the home radio call, but you know, I mean, it was even you could even hear it in their voices that this is this is something that don't know if you really want to be doing that. And here's my opinion: just time and situation, it just didn't make sense. You're oh, it's a ten to mm. six game. Yeah. You're only down by four you're hanging around there and you're choosing 
I think you just have to look at risk versus reward. The reward is maybe you get it, and maybe your offense, which hasn't been able to get in the end zone all half and has had to stall and kick long field goals, maybe they get a drive down and score, even though there's nothing leading you to believe that that's going to happen. But the risk is, hey, you're giving Texas A&M the ball with two minutes and 50 seconds left on their side of the field, and you're really just going to expect your defense to come up with a stop there. I mean, the defense had held them to 10 points to that point in the game, and Arkansas actually got to go for the fourth down because of a um, because of a penalty that brought them close. They Max Fletcher had just punted it like he sent a booming punt down the field, and it would have put Texas A&M at their own 19. Then the penalty brings it to fourth and one, and Arkansas decides to go for it. The risk right there is just if you don't get it, you're completely changing. I think it was a uh, I forgot how many yards difference between the 40 or it was, it was a 41 yard, I think 41 yard change of field position in one play. You either would have taken your punt to get it out at the Texas A&M 19, or you're giving it to them on your own 40. It's just the risk right there is way too great, especially in a Mm -hmm. game where you're right in it. And it's funny thinking about it. Who knows if Texas A&M had they not, if I had Arkansas not gone for it on fourth and one would have, gone down and scored a touchdown or a field goal. I think to that point, I tend to believe Arkansas probably holds them to maybe a field goal or something. You know, if that doesn't happen right there, Arkansas on the first play of the second half takes the lead with a pick six. I don't know. It's You can't live in the what-ifs too much, but just the time of the game and the score, it just didn't make any sense, especially your offense hadn't done anything. Why are you expecting them now to all of a sudden put together a drive? I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think my thing with this after seeing it happen again and again, you know, the last four weeks was it three times in the last four weeks, Arkansas has been stuffed on fourth and one. Um, I don't think your side of the field is the place to try to impose your will when you don't have a whole lot of will to impose, play the game out, take the punt that your punter gave you. And that literally makes them have to double the length of the field to get points. And it just it, it felt like sometimes it feels like Sam is trying to win the game in like the second quarter when, you know, you can just put what trust you do have in in your guys to, you know, just go out and, and let the game play out and win the game, you know, in, in the second half instead of the second quarter. I just yeah, I think that that's my thing. I just don't I don't think like the offensive line in the front and the offense at this point has a whole lot of will to impose. And I just think you've got to, you got to let the game play out, let the game play out and and make A&M really, really work um, to put points up on you. And, and, and that goes for, you know, the other opponents too, like just make them work for, for what they're going to get instead of, you know, halving the field for them. Yeah, and I think that had you given Texas A&M the ball and they need to go, um, what would that have been? 79 yards or 81 yards 81, to go yeah. to go get a touchdown. I mean, if they score with two minutes, 50 seconds left, if they go down the field and score a touchdown and have the same result that they had, you know, with Arkansas going for it and missing it, I think you just tip your cap that they just put together a good drive. But whenever you give it to them on your, on your own side of the field after your defense had just gotten, at that point, I think Arkansas had just gotten off the field because of a missed field goal by A&M. Like, it kind of felt like the defense had got, they had just gotten that stop that they hadn't had and, quite a while I know a missed kick you're relying on the other team to do something wrong too but still it just felt like at that point in the game maybe the defense had a little bit of momentum they had just that other team just hadn't scored on a drive for the first time in 
how many quarters would that have been? Uh, a lot. Three pl- yeah, yeah, a lot of quarters. Yeah. So it just didn't seem like it made much sense. And, you know, if you make A&M work for it and score a touchdown there, I mean, you tip your cap. But whenever you just give them that short of a field to work with, it falls on coaching. I, I go back to something I hear Eric Musselman talk about a lot of time, how big the final four minutes of the first half in basketball are in the first four minutes of the second half. And I think the same thing goes for football. You know, I think the decisions that you make in the, say the final, you know, five, six minutes of the first half and that same time frame in the second half has a huge impact on the outcome of the game. And it, you know, it, it, it did in this, in this A&M game, they're able to score right before halftime. It's a huge momentum deal. Some people don't believe in momentum. I do. A&M had the momentum. Arkansas was able to steal it back for just a minute with that pick six, but but ultimately the the talent level was so great that you know. And, it, and it, it's one more thing, one more thought before we get out of here. When the talent level, there's a discrepancy in the talent level. You don't want to make mistakes to the point that you are giving them an opportunity uh, to to widen the score, you know, because eventually the talent level I think is going to play out. And in a you know in a, a tight game sometimes uh, you you don't see that t- I, I'm not I'm not verbalizing that but I think you guys understand you know what I'm trying to say there and and you know they they gave a more talented team a short field and an opportunity to pull away and uh, it, it, it bit them in that game. We'll be back later this week on the Whole Hog Football Podcast to talk about Arkansas's game more against Ole Miss this weekend. It's going to be a 6:30 kickoff on the SEC Network. You can go to our site all week for our latest football coverage. We're also going to be ramping up our basketball coverage this week. The Razorbacks uh, have had their red white basketball game on Wednesday night at Barnhill arena. We'll have several of our reporters there to cover that until then. Hope you'll come to see us at whole for Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. I'm Matt Jones. And we'll see you later this week on the whole hog football podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the hog sports network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.